Hey there, welcome to the City Rev Life Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Roby. How are you doing? Pastor Roby. I'm doing great. You're good? I'm good. I'm doing good as well. All right, we're both good. Yeah, well, hey, we're uh, excited that you're joining us for this episode. We're continuing a conversation. We started a few episodes ago. Uh, The series is called Jesus and LGBTQ+. And one of the things we've been kicking off every episode with is just an encouragement to start at the beginning of this series. Uh, We built this in a way that's step-by-step and laid out. And kind of another important preface to this conversation is the approach we're taking to talk about this topic is more pastoral, individual in nature. There's a lot of people having this conversation broadly, societally, addressing it as a as an issue, a topic, but we're trying to come at this as something that can be spoken of personally, uh, something that can be spoken to uh, with care, with uh, grace and truth dripped all throughout the conversation. But uh, Roby, why don't you recap a little bit of where we've been and then get us ready for this conversation? Sure. So, uh, you know, again, just like you said, and I think that's a great reminder is that we're not hitting it on the macro level, the issues, the, all the other things we're trying to talk about. uh, Most people have at some place, this is also a personal issue. Maybe they would associate with the LGBTQ uh, community or have a friend or family member that do. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to know how to have a space to think and talk and dialogue. And so that's what we hope is that this is creating that that uh, place that's safe. And so here's where we started. We started with, let's set the tone. The Bible talks about love and the supremacy of of love and how like an in everything we do we want to show love right and so we wanted to set that tone there's a way that we can talk through this we can have honesty we can explore the bible explore the of jesus and and the lgbtq plus uh, community and the associating discussion we can we can have that in a context of love and the bible mandates that we also then said you know part of love is speaking truth and then there is that, that is kind of the place to start because um, we have to decide is truth f- found from the inside out or the outside in? Do I look to inside to discern my own truth mm-hmm. or do I look to the outside and conform what's inside to the truth? And that's an important, that is a, that is the key starting place to the conversation. We talked about yeah. that in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we said, okay, we, we made an argument for an external truth. Um, we made an argument of instead of looking inside to find truth and then conforming external reality to my internal truth, let's, it's um, more logical and uh, more life-giving to find the right external truth mm-hmm. than conforming what's inside to it. So then we said in the last episode, well, what is that truth? Because if you pick the wrong one, that's bad. And so right. we said, well, let's take a look at the Bible, which claims to be God's truth. Yeah. And at the very core message of the Bible is something deeply life-giving, right. and it's something that brings about freedom. And so that that is the core message of, of Jesus, the message of the gospel. And we talked about that in the last episode. Excellent. So that's kind of where we've been and where we're going in this episode in particular is we're going to take a look at some of the key passages in the Bible, and there have been suggestions or ways to interpret these texts that have come into debate, uh, especially in the last century or so. Uh, And so why don't we just, first of all, frame what is the Bible, frame for us what does the Bible claim about itself, and then let's go ahead and start looking at some of these texts. Yep, I think that's important. Uh, (laughs) We'll try not to go down the rabbit hole on this, but let's just 
some basic ground rules when interpreting the Bible. What does the Bible say about itself? Like that's obviously the place. Let's not impose something on the Bible. What does it say about itself? Mm. It says it is the word of God. It is. It contains his truth. It says it is timeless, unchanging. And so, um, and it is, it's life-giving. So a, a couple things then, it's going to be unified. It's going to have a unified message beginning to end, even though it was written over a, a span of about 1,500 years. It, it's going to have a unified message if it's from God. So we're right. going to anticipate that's what the Bible says about itself. It's going to be uh, clear. It's, mm-hmm. it's intended to be for us as humans. And I think that's important because if we come across a brand new interpretation of a passage that has never been acknowledged from at any other point, mm-hmm. we should exercise extreme caution because yeah. this is God's word intended to be clear through through humanity. So yeah. just a couple ground ground rules just as we're going into the Bible. Yeah, there's a sense in which history is our friend as we're examining these texts because We've been wrestling with Christians. Have been wrestling with these texts for a long time. So if we're trying to ask the question, "What does this text mean?" uh, We we have that as our our background. And so, kind of the first question that we wanted to surface and address uh, that will lead us to getting into some of these texts in the New Testament and Old Testament. um, Some people ask or say say the statement, "You know, the Bible doesn't actually say anything about homosexuality." In fact, we found a an article that claims that. You can Google what does the Bible say about homosexuality, and one of the very first uh, results that'll come up is that the Bible says nothing about homosexuality. And so, just how would you approach addressing that objection? So. You know, that was a surprise, honestly, um, because usually people don't take that track, but let's just start there. Um, uh, That the Bible does address this issue. So typically the question, I think the more substantive question is, what does the Bible say about this issue, not does the Bible address it? And and it does uh, all the way back in Leviticus. Um, Leviticus 18.22, um, it says, you shall not lie with a male as a law. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, um, both have committed an abomination. So again, um, like in the, in the Old Testament Levitical law, it's talking about sex, sexual activity within the same sex. So it's within the same gender, specifically um, men with men. So it is, there is discussion right in the beginning in the law right. um, of Leviticus. Right. So there's discussion there. I think what some people say is they'll respond and say, well, there's laws in Leviticus we don't follow today. Yeah. Like, you know, you probably eat shrimp or wear clothes made of two different types of sure. material and those are in the law. So what do you do with that? Yeah, and I think that brings to a second important question. Exactly. You know, well, it's fine if Leviticus says that. Leviticus says other things that we don't do, just like you said. And so um, that's a that's a that's an important question because there are things in the Old Testament law that are fulfilled by the person of Jesus. And, and it, it talks about which parts of the law and how we discern what parts of the law and how, how does that inform us. Um, but that can get like a, sometimes that can get complicated. Some of it's very obvious, some of it's complicated. Really the easiest way to discern what parts of the Old Testament law do we still abide by is when it's then again referenced and upheld in the New Testament. Right. That's just the simplest, easiest. And way. that's the most broadly accepted way of interpreting it. Yes. People who have different perspectives on how do we apply the Old Testament law right. today, kind of the universally agreed upon is if the New Testament picks up on it sure. and affirms it, that's your clincher. Right. And so if 
if Leviticus was the only place that that was referenced, then we would have to do a deeper dive and say, okay, it, does this still sure. apply in the new covenant in the new Testament on the other side of Jesus? But um, there are several places in the new Testament where this is uh, addressed. So um, one of those is in Romans chapter one, um, 26 through 27. And all of these are passages that are um, some of the main texts. There are, we're going to list several of these passages. There are still others than the ones we're going to reference, but these are some of the ones that are most often talked about. So Romans 1, 26 through 27 says, uh, for this, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relationships relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in, in themselves the due penalty for their error so uh, romans chapter one uh, is the first new testament text we're going to talk about is one of the first places that that's referenced in the new testament um, and describes the, the uh, homosexual activity as something that is against the way that God designed for humans to naturally function. Right. And I think the a lot of the debate or some of the new ways of interpreting these texts bring up that these New Testament passages, what they are prohibiting is something other than what we see now in modern times. So they, these texts are actually prohibiting things like pederasty. Yes. Or these texts are pro prohibiting slaves who would abuse, or masters who would abuse their mm -hmm. slaves sexually in homosexual acts uh, where the master would abuse their right. male slave. And so there are new schools of interpretation. They're saying, hey, that's what this is actually prohibiting. It's prohibiting those things. Uh, it it's right. not doesn't have in view the concept of uh, homosexual relations that are monogamous and committed and l loving, you know. And so just how would you respond to yeah. that way of looking at that text? I, I think that's an important question because that uh, the pederasty, which would be... Um, uh, what we might use the term pedophilia, you know, in, in ancient times, that was a real issue. And that was in some places in that time period accepted, especially men and boys, that relationship in particular. Mm. And so that is a, that was, um, something discussed, discussed in that first generation literature. So that pederasty, um, that kind of predit, what we would say is predatorial um that was known at that time and that was a, a, a discussion and it was it was somewhat common um the and we need to come back to that so the question is um is and same with the kind of the predatorial relationship with a master and a slave so the question is is paul um specifically talking about so that those predatorial relationships especially pederasty mm -hmm. Or is he talking more broadly about homosexuality more in general? And uh, we, we need to look at a couple more texts, but um, the, the first part of that in, in Romans 1, it, what's, what's important to note is that he's referencing also women and their passions for one another, their sexual passions for one another. Why that's important is because while pederasty um, between a, a man and a boy was a, not an uncommon thing, that was not common and understood among women. Right. Um, and so the fact that he's including women 
then makes us think, okay, he's thinking about something broader than just that specific type of uh, relationship. So I, I think that's important to note, but I think that there's, uh, I think we got to look at some other texts to get a, a fuller uh, a view of this. Yeah. And also in the text, what's described is two individuals having passion for one another. Yeah. So both participants that he's describing here have this consumed right. passion towards one another. So it's not um, abuse of power that he has, uh, you know, that narrowly in view. Right. That's right. That's right. So then what's the other kind of text that you would point us to to get us to answer some of these other questions? Yeah, so the uh, the next text then I think we need to go to is um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and, um, and 1 Timothy 1, 8. And they're both very similar. Um, so I think we can mainly look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9, but they use the same words and they use different words than what uh, they one. use in Romans. So 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10 is... Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law uh, is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, and then this phrase, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So that is that phrase, men who practice homosexuality, that modern English translation, we need to talk about the Greek behind it, the ancient original Greek. It's the same phrase used in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Um, let, me, let me just read that one. I think it's, um, it, and we'll, we'll park on this one. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, same Greek phrase, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so the question is, um, what is that, what is the Greek behind those phrases? Let's get, because it's translated in a little bit differently in different English translations and a little bit differently in different generations. Um, but what is behind the Greek phrase there that he's talking about? Yes, and this is critical because there's, uh, you know, I've even seen social media posts, memes, uh, things saying the Bible has never, Bible never used the phrase homosexuality or right. before 1947 or whatever the date is, this wasn't translated this way. It's a right. modern invention. Uh, and right. so we need to get, we need to do a little bit of language work and get underneath uh, what are these words right. that are being described here? What did they mean in their original context right. to help us understand? Right. That's important. And I've heard that one too. Um, often it said the Bible never used, didn't use the term homosexuality or homosexual until like mid 20th century. And um, that's true. Um, and the reason that's true is because the term homosexuality wasn't invented until uh, the late 1800s. So it wasn't a commonly modern used word until later. And once that was now a commonly used word, that's then the word that was used by translators to try and represent as accurately as possible the, the Greek term. So it doesn't necessarily change anything because the, the theory of translation is you take the supposed to scholars come together, they take the original Greek in the New Testament or Hebrew in the Old Testament, and they're trying to find the best modern words. So there are going to be different words that are used. So like in previous generations, they would use the term sodomy 
that's not a term used as commonly today. Um, but that was another word that they would have used in previous generations. So translators are just trying to find the best modern word, and that is a newer word. Um, and so it, it's not a surprise that that entered into the translations later. But the point then is, okay, let's get let's go back to the original Greek. What is it trying to say? That's right. So even the words that were used before, you know, homosexuality would have been used had the same meaning in that time period sure. that we would use for that word. And so let's look at the words. There's two words in particular that are up for us to really consider and explore. Uh, why don't you walk us through the two of them and how they work? Yes. Um, uh, so the there are two terms, and this is why um, it's translated um, men who practice homosexuality. The two terms, this is a little bit graphic, but this is the, the Greeks thought about it a little bit differently. The ancient Greeks thought about it a little bit differently than we do. Um, they thought about the two participants in the uh, in a homosexual act. One is the passive participant and one is the active participant. And so the first word, malakoi, is in reference to the passive participant. And the second word is arsenokoitai, um, and that's in reference to the active participant. Now, again, like that's not necessarily, we don't usually in our modern thinkers thinking break those two right. categories down, but that's how they thought of it. So then that brings up the question then it goes, this is also where the subject of, well, maybe what Paul is talking about is pederasty. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's talking about um, uh, someone who is perpetrating or predatorial towards someone else who is the passive participant in that. Right. And um, the challenge with that interpretation is that Paul is saying very explicitly that both parties, it, both of those are sin, but both right. of those are not godly. And so if he's talking about pederasty and he's trying to protect someone that's being preyed upon, right. then he would be more so speaking to the active participant, not the passive participant. Yeah. Now, these terms could also be applied in that category, but they're broader than that category of pedophilia and pederasty. Um, and the fact that he is saying both parties are, are that sin for both parties would say he's not trying to defend an innocent victim here because he's saying that the the passive party is um, is all is not talking about someone that's being preyed upon, right. but someone who's willingly doing this and out of sin. The second reason that I think is very important is if he was speaking about pederasty, he would have just used the term pederasty. That is actually a Greek term that comes from that time period. And so like we, that was active in that time period. We, they had a term. That's actually where we get our word pederasty mm -hmm. is from the Greek. It's the Greek word pederastes. And so if he was speaking about that, he would have just said that word. And yeah. so I think the the best translation for this, the best way to understand this is to think in terms of this broader category that men and men and men having sex is something that is not uh, according to God's God's design. And um, same same sex activities uh, within the same gender is not according to God's design according to this passage. Um, but 
I think what's also very important about 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is to remember it's not isolating that one thing. Right. It's like if you read through this passage, it's every one of us at some point in our lives have fallen into this category. And so I think what's sometimes a challenge is that the Bible here is used as a weapon towards a, a particular right one of the things on the list but like thief being a thief being greedy being a drunkard um committing um uh fornication or adultery i mean like all of these things are referenced here and so uh, i think the th- that has to be seen as a it's not picking on that one particular sin it shouldn't be a weapon against that one sin it's just speaking truth to all of us because all of us are going to fall into one of these categories. And what's beautiful is how redemptive it is in the end. Well, Roby, what then would you say to the person who's listening to this or watching this right now, and they're processing all of this biblical interpretation, some of it's pretty technical, but for them, it's not technical. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. And to hear this is really, really hard. It's really, really um, confronting, and uh, it's, it's unsettling to hear this. What would you just say to them? I'm glad you say that, Justin, because I'm um, thinking about that, you know, that this is um, maybe very hard to hear and to wrestle with. And there is that side of Scripture that if there's an external truth that is speaking into me, it's going to conform me. And that while that that's challenging, and at some point the Scripture will do that to all of us, um, in different ways and it is calling really what it's calling us to is in faith to believe jesus mm-hmm. and in faith turn from what seems may seem right to us but to turn to jesus and so a couple thoughts about about these texts the first one is um there's a difference in the way the bible talks about this particular subject and really sin in general there's a difference between the temptation of a thing and um, falling into that temptation so being tempted for something is not necessarily the sin i mean jesus was tempted and the bible says in every way we were we are tempted so jesus uh, faced temptation that's different than um acting on that temptation. And I think that's important because someone may be hearing these scriptures and say, I have same-sex attraction. Does that mean I am a a bad, wicked person? And the Bible is talking about the difference between having the temptation is one thing, acting on that temptation is what the scripture here is talking about. But then someone then might say, and I think really, we haven't really touched on this question, but this might be like the foundational question, which is, do gay people go to hell is how it's usually phrased. Mm-hmm. And that's not how I would phrase it, but I think that is how what's so often how it, the, the question is directed. And, and here's what this passage we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is it lists this whole list of things that the Bible considers to be ungodly. And as you read that list, that is going to confront every single human being. Mm-hmm. There's something or multiple things on that list that every one of us say, wow, I am not on a path for heaven. Mm-hmm. And the reality is every single human being, 
every single human being is facing an eternity away from God. And it is the only way for us to be saved is through the person of Jesus. And what Jesus does is when we put our faith in Jesus, he washes us clean and he makes us into his image. He conforms us into his image. That is the, that's the invitation. And that's the invitation if you're listening. And if you're listening in and this is challenging to you or challenging to someone that you love, the invitation is to put your faith in, in the plan that Jesus has for you and just start here, that Jesus, he loves you, he accepts you right where you're at, but like we talked about in the last episode, he accepts us right where we're at, but he doesn't leave us where we're at, and he wants to wash us clean and make us into his image. And, and lastly, I think what's the challenge of this, and this kind of sets up what we're going to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. Lastly, what's challenging on this particular subject is that so often this is tied into someone's identity. And I think what we're going to talk about next week, is, or in the next episode, is that um, the Bible gives us something so much more profound to anchor our identity in than anything we can find on this earth, than anything another person, a parent, a friend, a friend group, an accomplishment gives us something far more profound, safe, stable, and life-giving to anchor our identity in. And so that's really what we're going to talk about in the next episode. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's our hope that this conversation has been helpful to you. And if there's someone in your life that you think might benefit from this conversation, send them this series and let them journey along with us. Uh, But we are looking forward to the next conversation as we continue to discuss this important topic. Um, But we'll see you then on the next episode of the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.